Hey everyone, Greg here with another edition of Theater Shove It, and I'm here again this week to give you my thoughts on the latest movies playing in theaters and streaming on your TV. Also this week, Be Kind Rewind looks at the film you voted for. For our featured movies this week, a popular children's video game comes to terrifying life in Five Nights at Freddy's. A woman creates suspicion after the death of her husband in the Cannes Film Festival winner, Anatomy of a Fall. John Cena and Alison Brie go on an adventure in Freelance, and a disgraced detective finds himself once again on the case in Inspector Sun. Let's get started. First up, when a security guard begins working at a local pizzeria, he soon realizes that pepperoni isn't the only thing getting sliced there. This is Five Nights at Freddy's. Welcome to Freddy's. Have you met them yet? Met who? Foxy, Bonnie, Chica, and Freddy. Back in the 80s. Some kids went missing. What is this? That's why the place shut down. The police searched Freddy's. Hey! They never found the kids. Hunt. This film, based on a popular video game, Josh Hutcherson plays Mike, a security guard who is tightly wound and after one too many on-the-job errors, is given one last chance as a security guard of Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria, a restaurant similar to Chuck E. Cheese, with its combination of pizza and games. But this place was shut down in the 1980s after a rash of child abductions. Because he cares for his much younger sister, Abby, played by Piper Rubio, Mike would rather not work the night shift. But, since he is currently in a custody battle with his Aunt Jane, played by Mary Stuart Masterson, he has no other choice. Mike suffers from recurring nightmares about a moment in his past involving the abduction of his brother, Garrett. The dreams become more frequent and violent when he starts working at Freddy's. Mike soon discovers things are not what they seem at the pizza joint, as the seemingly cute animatronics come to life at night under the possession of ghosts who are out for blood. Can Mike survive his new job? When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a see-it. And I give this film a... See-it! I went into this not knowing a thing about this video game other than some of my students are fans of it, so I didn't know what to expect. After the first scene, I said to myself, oh, okay, this is Saw with puppets. Although it's not as brutally violent as the Saw movies. This is, after all, aimed at older children and young adults who are fans of the game. So they couldn't go too far. But that's not to say there weren't a few decent scares in it. The storyline involving Mike wasn't the strongest. It's something I've seen before. It kind of gave me Dr. Sleep vibes. Just at a lower quality than that film was. But again, it was quite scary, and I think it kind of pushed its PG-13 rating at some points. Hutcherson does a good job conveying the urgency of his character, although the twist is fairly obvious from early on. So I was just waiting for that to be revealed, which it is at the end. I know critics are skewering this movie, but it really isn't that bad. It wasn't the best movie of the year, but it was an enjoyable time with some good mild scares in it, 
And around Halloween time, there's nothing wrong with that. Next, after a woman is accused of murdering her husband, all eyes turn to her blind son as the sole witness. This is Anatomy of a Fall. You had a fight the day before he died. You need to start seeing yourself the way others are going to perceive you. Is there anything that would seem consistent with a suicide? You have to tell them exactly like you remember it. You complain about the life that you chose. You are not a victim. Not at all. Be fair. I am a man who's been cheated on. I can't stand anymore. In this year's Palme d'Or winner from the Cannes Film Festival, Sandra Hudler plays Sandra, a famous author, whom at the beginning is being interviewed by a young student eager to get into the mind of the author. She isn't overly successful as the author keeps turning the conversation back on her in a flirtatious manner, and her husband Samuel, played by Samuel Thies, is upstairs in the attic working on the house, and in an attempt to sabotage the interview, he blasts music so loudly that it drowns out any of the conversation. When Sandra decides to end the interview and postpone it to a Another time when they can talk in peace, she goes upstairs to talk to her husband. Meanwhile, their son Daniel, played by Milo Machado Grenier, goes out for a walk with his dog Snoop. Daniel is visually impaired following an awful accident when he was a toddler. When he returns from his walk, the dog alerts him to a shocking discovery. His father is dead, laying face down in the snow with blood dripping from a wound in his head. Did he fall? Was he pushed? The film then spends the next two and a half hours answering that question as Sandra is indicted for the murder of her husband, and all their marriage's secrets and lies are revealed. Did she do it? Or was this an act of suicide? When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a see-it. And I give this film a huge see-it. This film is incredible. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time wondering whether or not this woman killed her husband, or was it an accident, or was it self-induced? The story goes all over the place in a way that makes you doubt her innocence throughout. There are moments where the evidence presented makes it seem like she didn't do it, and there are times where it seems clear that she did. And having a visually impaired person as your only witness makes for a compelling witness. This film has a lot to say about the state of relationships when two people just seemingly fall out of love with each other and carry around years and years of resentment. At two and a half hours, it sure felt a lot shorter than that because the story was so gripping. Hewler is excellent in this role, and I hope she gets some awards attention come Oscar time. Throughout the film, I looked at her and just envisioned Kate Blanchett playing this role if they were ever to make an American adaptation of it. She was that good. If it's playing near you, and you don't mind watching foreign films, although the entire film is not in French, there's about 30 or 40% of it in English, I think you should go see it. This is the best Palme d'Or winner since Parasite. Next, when a former Special Forces operative begrudgingly takes on a new mission, he finds himself smack in the middle of a coup. This is Freelance. I seem to recall you saying that becoming a lawyer would only crush your soul. Yeah, it is. I'm running a business, and right now that business is getting a journalist in and out of Paldonia. It's a one-off. No, no, and no. 
was a journalist. I have resigned my position here. Twenty grand says you are. Welcome to Bologna. President Venega, so nice to meet you. We must take a selfie. Um. You approve? John Cena plays Mason Petitz, a former special ops soldier who is recruited out of retirement to return to action by his former boss, played by Christian Slater. He hires him as a bodyguard for a journalist named Claire Wellington, played by Alison Brie. Wellington is traveling to a country named Paldonia, and it has been ravaged by war. She wants to interview the controversial president Juan Venegas, played by Juan Pablo Raba. Soon after landing... They are thrown off course by an assassination attempt and coup on Venegas and must escape through the jungles and gunfire to save their own lives. When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a shove-it. And I give this film a... Huge shove-it. Man, this one was a stinker. I don't think I laughed once throughout this alleged action comedy. Both John Cena and Alison Brie should be ashamed of themselves for signing up for this piece of garbage. They are usually much more discriminating with their choices. And for an action film, this was quite boring and predictable. It reminded me a lot of the much better Sandra Bullock Channing Tatum film, The Lost City. This one seemed to be a patchwork quilt of ideas thrown together with a few action set pieces. I was not interested in it at all, and I didn't care what happened to any of the characters. I just couldn't wait for it to end. This is definitely one of the worst of the year so far. Finally, after getting fired from his job, a detective finds himself wrapped up in a new case while on vacation. This is Inspector Sun. Dr. Spindlethorpe. Inspector Sun. Listen, I'm the wealthiest bug on this flying boat. I believe my life is in danger. With all due respect, Doctor, collage is not a dangerous hobby. I want you watching my back. What I believe is you have an overactive imagination and a dangerous wife. Sonny, we need you. It's been a murder. <laughs> We're not looking for one killer, but two. Clearly inspired by Agatha Christie's murder on the Orient Express, Inspector Sun is set in the 1930s and tells the story of a detective, voiced by The Daily Show's Ronnie Chang, who is unceremoniously fired from his job and decides to hop aboard a flight for some time away. Sun is a spider who has lost one of his legs during one of his cases, and he boards the flight in the lower compartments where all the insects are housed. One night, during a fancy dinner aboard the vessel, a corpse is discovered, and Inspector Sun is back in action as he joins a hyperactive spider named Janie, voiced by Emily Climo, and the two work together to solve the mystery murder and prove the innocence of the Black Widow Arabella Kiltop, voiced by Jennifer Childs Greer. I give this film a... See it. This was a cute version of Murder on the Orient Express. I do love a mystery movie, so this captured my attention, and the clever nods to Agatha Christie were hilarious. I enjoyed the story, and the voice work was all solid. It was actually a nice escape for me, because right before I went into the movie, I had something extremely irritating happening to me, and I needed a break from reality. 
You don't know what somebody has to go through down here to get a COVID booster shot. It was so aggravating. Anyway, this movie provided me with some relief from that pain in the ass situation, which was nice. I think kids would enjoy it, even if they don't necessarily get all the Agatha Christie references. That's it for this week's featured films. To recap, Five Nights at Freddy's is in theaters now and is also streaming on Peacock, although... You know me, I think everybody should see all movies on the big screen. But anyway, it is a see it. Anatomy of a Fall is in select theaters now, and it is terrific. It is a see it and my pick of the week. Freelance is in theaters now and is a huge shove it. And Inspector Sun is in theaters now and is a see it. Now on to my brief take of some additional movies I've watched this week in my segment called Quick Picks. The Kane Mutiny Court Martial is a film adaptation of William Friedkin's classic play of the same name. It marks Friedkin's final film before The Exorcist director passed away back in August. It also serves as one of the final screen appearances by John Wick actor Lance Reddick, who passed away earlier this year in March. The story is about a lawyer, played by Jason Clark, who defends a naval officer, played by Jake Lacey, who is standing trial in a military court on a charge of mutiny after relieving his commanding officer of his duties while in the middle of a violent storm. The subject matter is very compelling, and the acting is all stellar from all, including Kiefer Sutherland and Monica Raymond. The film is definitely a talkie and is clearly based on a play, but it moves along nicely and kept me entertained. It is now available on Showtime and is a see-it. The Burial stars Oscar winners Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones as Willie E. Gary and Jeremiah Joseph O'Keefe. Willie is hired as Jeremiah's lawyer after Jeremiah's funeral home business is threatened with financial ruin from a large corporation seeking to create a monopoly in the death business. It is a true story, and although it is a typical David versus Goliath tale you have seen many, many times, the performances of the leads, as well as Journey Smollett, elevate this to an engaging tale. It is currently playing on Amazon Prime Video, and is a see-it. And Netflix's latest original, Fair Play, stars Phoebe Denever and Alden Ehrenreich as co-workers and secret lovers, whose relationship is upended when one of them gets a huge promotion at work that sends their relationship off the rails. It is at times a tense thriller that has an interesting take on the gender and power balance within a relationship. It does drag a bit in the middle, but overall is entertaining enough to be a mild see-it. Now, let's move on to the segment where I let you know the latest titles now available for home viewing. It's time for Now Streaming... The Incredible Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse flies onto Netflix on Halloween, this Tuesday. It is a worthy follow-up to the 2018 Oscar-winning Into the Spider-Verse. This time, Miles Morales teams with Gwen Stacy as the two are thrusted into the multiverse and meet an entire team who has the responsibility of protecting all within. To hear my full review, listen to episode 85. And Sebastian Maniscalco's semi-autobiographical about my father... Start streaming on Wednesday, November 1st on Stars, and this pairs him up with Oscar winner Robert De Niro as the titular parent. It was entertaining enough despite the negative reviews that are out there, and it may actually play a little better on TV. 
To hear my full review, listen to episode 83. But if you want to see a far better De Niro performance, go see Killers of the Flower Moon instead. Now it's time for my segment where I look at films from the past. This is Be Kind Rewind. Continuing on my series where I take the 52-week movie challenge, this week's topic was a holiday film. And your choices were The Muppet Christmas Carol, Miracle on 34th Street, and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You voted, and as I write this, it is a tie between The Muppet Christmas Carol and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So, I will break the tie and choose The Muppet Christmas Carol. Mr. Scrooge, even though he is odious, stingy, and badly dressed. Humbug. Oh, there goes Mr. Humbug. There goes Mr. Grin. Do you think it's safe for us to be up here? It's a game of prize for being me. The winner would be him. Yes, Mr. Cratchit. If you please, Mr. Scrooge. The bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire. Where are such a fool? How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly unemployed? In the Muppets, or as my mom calls them, the Muffets, retelling of the classic Dickens tale, Kermit the Frog plays Bob Cratchit, a humble and loyal worker for Ebenezer Scrooge, played by Oscar winner Sir Michael Caine. Scrooge is a cold-hearted asshole of a boss who rejects his nephew's invitation to Christmas dinner and begrudgingly agrees to Cratchit's request for the day off on Christmas Day. Once home, Scrooge encounters the ghost of his late business partners, Jacob and Robert Marley, portrayed by my favorite Muppets, Statler and Waldorf. They warn him that he will be visited by three ghosts that night, the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future, in an effort to get him to change his stingy ways. The cast of Familiar Muppets all make appearances in various roles throughout the Familiar Tale. The Muppet Christmas Carol was released on December 11, 1992 and earned just over $27 million at the box office. Even though it wasn't a huge success at the box office, critics were generally very kind to it, and it has since become a classic for many families during the holidays. When Kane was cast, he allegedly said the following to director Brian Henson, Quote, I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. I will never do anything Muppety. I am going to play Scrooge as if it is an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me. End quote. Henson loved the idea. Kane has since stated that this role remains as one of his most memorable and enjoyable in his long, illustrious career. You won't hear him say the same about Jaws the Revenge, that's for sure. Although the film didn't receive any love from the Academy, its story album was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Spoken Word Album for Children, losing out to Oscar winner Audrey Hepburn, who released an album called Audrey Hepburn's Enchanted Tales. The Muppet Christmas Carol is available to stream on Disney+. The next Be Kind Rewind topic is a first film from a famous director. Your choices are Tim Burton's debut film, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Cameron Crowe's debut, Say Anything, or Mike Nichols' debut, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Come to my Instagram at theatershoveit to vote for which film I should focus on and the post with the most likes will be the next segment. 
That's it for this episode of Say It or Shove It. Thank you so much for listening this week. I'm very grateful. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month, and while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV-loving friends and family. Don't forget, you can now drop me a line at seeitorshoveit at gmail.com and let me know of any ideas or suggestions, and follow me on Instagram and Letterboxd at seeitorshoveit and rate me wherever you get your podcasts. Come back next week to hear reviews of Oscar winner Sofia Coppola's take on the Elvis legacy, Priscilla, and Meg Ryan's return to the big screen in her directorial effort, What Happens Later. Also, I'll be back later this week with my November edition of Trailer Talk, so be sure to listen to that as well. Until then, take care everyone and have a great week. This episode of See It or Shove It was recorded in Orlando, Florida and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music. All rights reserved.